Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Ilona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. Hello, this is Ilona Thompson with Palate Exposure. I'm here with Frederick Kiefer. He is an executive chef at Artisan Restaurants. Uh, he's with the Delamar Hotels, and uh, we're here to get to know him. So the first thing I'm going to ask you, Frederick, is about your background. Where were you born? I was born in the west side of Paris, <coughs> in uh, somewhere between uh, Saint Versailles and Paris, in Saint Germain en Laye. That's quite a glamorous location. Mm, a lot yeah. of people have heard of Versailles. Yes. Yeah, very positive association. Mm-hmm. Um, w- was your mom and dad involved in food business at all? No, they were not. No. So, so how did you discover culinary arts? That's a long way. I started as a teenager, uh, you know, f- working in a restaurant on the weekend, doing dishes to, oh. uh, to get, you know, what we call pocket money. So, and uh, while, while I was still in school, and it's kind of how uh, I discovered that world. And then when I was done with... Uh, with my school, my regular, you know, normal school, then I decided to go to culinary school. Hmm. That was in Paris, where I, stay, I stood there for six years. What attracted you to culinary? I know you were doing dishes in the restaurant. It's a pretty tough job. So what is it that happened for you at that time? Uh, I think the fact that uh, it was pretty intense, the fact that there was not two days alike, the fact that every single table was a, a different challenge, that you, are, you always had to uh, re, you know, reinvent yourself or better yourself, and I found it to be uh, pretty t- exciting. It's a pretty serious set of values for someone so young. No, that's what it was exciting, it's like the, the realization, and then you can, you, this is also instant gratification because you could see uh, your, your, your dish. Uh, being made and 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 the response from the 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 guest is 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 pretty fast. Yeah. The negative response too, but we try not to <laughs> focus too much on those one. And so you went to culinary school. Which one? I went to uh, Ferrandi, the, the, the Chamber of Commerce in Paris. So okay. they, they have a culinary uh, side called uh, Ferrandi School. That's in Montparnasse, uh-huh. downtown Paris. Okay. And how many years was that? S- Six years. Six years. So there are two, uh, two years increment, and then I started at the, the minimum, and then you know the bachelor degrees, and then what we call the école supérieure. So okay. It was long, and then that, that was mixed with um, uh, apprenticeship or externship through six years, throughout the six years. So mostly with restaurant in Paris. Okay. So this is you, know, you, you learn, you have the, you have the, um, you know, you learn with school, and then it's also in association with with restaurant. So the Cole Superior, is it something that's like an equivalent of a master's degree in culinary That's art? exactly, yeah, because you need a bachelor degree to, ac- to, uh, okay. to get there, and you, have, you have an entry exam, uh-huh. so it's not, and then uh, that would be the, the equivalent. And then you, so it's not just culinary, it's culinary, but it's also restaurant business, and you, br- you brush on the wine, like you have to have a uh, pretty good overview of uh, the rest, not the hotel, the restaurant world. I see, so it's pretty comprehensive. At that point, yes. When you get there, yes. Yeah. Yes. And you said you staged, you had apprenticeship. 
Yes, so that through, through the six years that went from uh, uh, my la latest one was uh, Le Taivan, the three star, uh, Gérard Besson, the Lutetia Hotel. Lutetia, okay. Yeah, um, La Fabrique Nord, Chiberta, the Champs Elysees, uh, and a few other. Mm -hmm. so, so they're very glamorous restaurants, one might say. Glamorous and hard to work at, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the hardest part? Uh, hard, just it was just hard overall. Then, like people don't even. That's what I'm saying. When I go back to the seriousness of your job, uh, those were all free. Like you work, you know, as an apprentice. Mm -hmm. on, you know, the the only thing that they pay you probably a taxi ride if if they have to uh, make you send you somewhere to to help out. But that's about it. Back then, you would start in the morning seven o'clock. Uh -huh. You had 15 minutes to eat, and if you are smoking, that's the same time, and you walk through the day. You have two hours in the afternoon, you go back at five, and you're done at 11 o'clock. So you have 40, 40, what, 14 plus hours left every day. Hmm. You clean your stove every night, there was no dishwasher, nobody cleans behind you. That's how, that's how it was. Every, every day, you, you would not keep one thing for the next day. Like there's not even a piece of parsley or shallot. So, so every single day, you start from scratch. Wow. So those, those days are, are long gone, at least around here, because it's just the the labor force would you just you could not afford to do that so yeah. so so it has evolved but um but you had to be um, it was all about freshness being made to order and respecting the uh, the product you know there was you know, there's no such thing as a two or three days old fish like it, it could not in at least in that those restaurants mm -hmm. and um, <coughs> so once you learn how to uh, that stays with you it's like uh it's like well, no, just learning a language when you know when you respect that when you've learned that uh, that respect and you're just trying to uh, pass it on now because it's just uh, so some of those basic values have, have been um, diluted I don't want to say they, they've gone but they've been diluted because sometimes you know you want to be more practical or or, or, or we don't uh, necessarily value that you know nowadays the younger chefs they don't see the beauty in a, in a, in a zucchini, they just think it's, it's something to work with. Hmm. Do you think those values are disappearing in Europe and the US? They are uh, definitely, uh, they are di I think they are disappearing a little bit, dif two different markets there. I think they are di disappearing a little bit in, uh, in Europe, definitely, because they were there everywhere. I think they are probably coming here because you know if you look at cooking you know 50 years ago in this country it was way different than it was in Europe so I think I think that would be an, an opposite uh, cycle I think as uh, there are better chefs now than they were before because because the the restaurant world is, is very uh, popular these days I think younger chefs um, are learning the values here mm. I think so. It's just uh, you can see it through. Uh, yes, I think in France maybe it's just up because of you know the the, the thing with with with, with those the, the the kind of world that I studied at like with today's economic it doesn't work. It's just the, the labor that what we used to you know the you know back then I used to you know, all every restaurant would have like four or five apprentices for free. So it's, it's like me having yeah. four or five guys that I can work sixty hour a week. For free, so if you, if that's available in this country, that's changed. That's changed the way you, you 
you, you can do business, but that's just not that's not this is not available now. The labor laws had an impact on that. Uh, what, oh, what is yes, the reason? Yes, I mean that. First of all, people don't necessarily want to work that much anymore. The the the, the labor laws has changed in France. Yeah. They they are trying. So that's not what what I went through is no longer uh, an option. Restaurant would close, you know, f two days, and then keep the same staff for for uh, five days. So they, they kind of prohibit that type of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, w work. But you know, it's also something from the past. No, nobody really wants to work uh, seventy hours uh, a day. True. So, but in terms of life lessons, you know, clearly it's hard, grueling work. But yeah. the positive value of that was there something about it that really instilled early on the appreciation in you for what yes, that I mean business it truly is. It's, it's, it's because this, you know, it, it teaches you that there is no shortcut, that you must know your product and, and its preparation, that you must try to get the, the, the freshest thing, that you must respect your product. So the respect means the way you would slice something, that would the way you would handle a piece of fish or a zucchini, and all the way down to the way you cook it. That's respecting. And you cannot I excel in that field if you don't have that sense of um, it's respect slash love. Like you have to be able to 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 look to walk into your walk-in and finding the bits to be very attractive, or uh, looking at a whole fish and then can't wait to to fill it. You have to have that uh, in you. Mm. And then so so it's the uh, yeah. So you you gotta love it. So obviously you caught the bug. It was part of you. Yes. You survived <laughs> the apprenticeship, which yes. I'm, I'm sure was, you know, taxing both physically and emotionally. Mm. What happened next? Then uh, I was supposed to. Um, I have to wait. Can I, I, I during my studies I went to I, I did an externship with Johnson and Wales in Rhode Island I okay. while I was in in, in mm -hmm. the school. We were actually the first student uh, exchange program, which I think is still uh, happening. So I went back for my last two years of studies and um, and actually when I was done, I was I'd applied for, for an hotel that were being built just outside of Paris, but they were, they were finishing it up. So I had some time to kill and through the alumni program, a friend of mine was coming back from, uh, he was working in Greenwich, Connecticut. So you know, through the, through the alumni program, so Stefan was coming back and I said I had six months to kill. So I applied through the, the French company and I got a visa and I came here for six months. Okay. That's been so 20, 30 years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it's, so I, this is how I started in, uh, in, in Greenwich, Connecticut. So how was that experience? Like what stood out to you the most? Um, so Greenwich was, was nice. I didn't stay too long in Greenwich. It just happened that that French company had an, an outlet in Manhattan and coming from Paris, so I loved the, uh, the idea of coming to the States. Uh, back then in the early 90s, 1992, Greenwich, Connecticut was uh, a nice suburb, but a little bit too slow coming from Paris. Mm -hmm. so of course. So, and then being also, you know, in, in my early 20s, you, uh, I felt like, you know, I had to uh, to uh, add the, the, you know, the desire to, um, more than the desire, like the, to go to Manhattan. So, and then this is where I started uh, to work uh, in Manhattan. So that, that company actually had a catering, uh, a catering outpost in Manhattan. So my first job in Manhattan was actually uh, doing off-premise party. So okay. we, we did a, a lot from, you know, we, we were 
working from you know boards we did the, we are the first one to do um, St. John the Divine they did an allocator so we did an 800 people you know full seated dinner uh, the MoMA all those French companies uh, what do you mean Hermès uh, Stephanie's all of those things so we did a lot that's very taxing too because that's that's I was so happy to be back I did that for uh, two and a half almost three years but that's the hardest part of, of uh, it's probably even harder than the restaurant you don't have the service part of it but you gotta take everything out with you and you can't forget anything because it's far away and you usually have to go through back door staircase into someone's apartment set everything up wait until they are done and you can't you usually can't leave because there's you know the party still happening then in like like in the wee hour of the night, you gotta clean everything, go back to the shop. You go home at like four o'clock in the morning. Oh. So I didn't regret uh, it. Was, but that's actually, you know, talking about uh, life experience. When a chef uh, has been exposed to doing catering, I find them to be a lot more organized because you can go, you know, across Manhattan and realize that you forgot that or you don't have that or you didn't wear. So everything. Had to be uh, precise, precise, yeah. weighed out, controlled, counted. Consistency is hard. I mean, yes, serving eight hundred guests is. A but it's uh, a and piece. especially off premise. You know, given Manhattan traffic during the day, like if you forget something, but but they have a lot of stories. I think one hour will not be enough. But you know, we've done wedding where we forgot the wedding cake, and I swear to God, it's just it's just like it's so obvious, but the still thing as big as that uh, did happen. But we got it on time before the, the party was over. But we've done uh, <laughs> we've done things like that. Just you know, just so obvious that uh, you forget it. So. Sounds like you've selected some challenging things along your career path. You didn't shy mm -hmm. away from a challenge. Yeah, the, the challenge that uh, this one was a good uh, learning curve for me from being that was my first uh, catering. Uh, Lesson. Then I went for rest, to, work, to work at Restaurant Associates. This is when I was sent to LA to open the, the Pavilion Chandler back then. Mm -hmm. Then after that, we did the biggest challenge to this day. They're all challenged, but the, physically the biggest challenge was the reopening of windows on the wall. Oh my goodness, okay. So that was, um, so you figure out you had um, uh, 450 employees, 90 cooks. 45. So I was in charge of the banquet when I, the first year of, of Windows on the World. Then after I got involved mm -hmm. in the restaurant, you had so 45 cooks, and um, it was just so hard from scratch. There was nothing else. Like it was the rebuild. You know, Joe Bond uh, owned it at, at first, but so it, it was the, the rebirth. And uh, there was two acres of floor. One, one acre of banquet alone, and one acre on top had uh, the greatest bar on earth and, res and, and Windows on the World. Uh, so obviously that, be that became no longer obviously uh, one of the highest grossest restaurants with Tavern on the Green. But um, so in terms of volume, uh, it was it, it was uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot to open, and uh, I think like I started there. I, I think I started. We opened in. It was just before July, like at the end of May, and I think I didn't see a day off, a day off until probably October. And I said seven days a week for six of months, that's what, that's what it takes. 
it took that much. You could not, I, w I was living in Westchester County at that time, and I, you know, I could not even drive home. So I would call my, my girlfriend then, my wife now, at one o'clock in the morning, she would, she would drive down, pick me up, I would start my night like within five minutes, on the, on, and I would take the first train back. Uh, and then more than one time. So that's, that's when I say, that's what it takes sometimes, and it was hard. Like we had, I had to put the pressure on people that you know, they were clocking you know, hum, close to 100 hours a week the first time, and then you got better, but you know, the opening is, and then people were ready to quit. I said, if you quit, don't come back. I have no choice. It's easier like, so it was, um, and eventually you try to learn as quick as you can because you can't maintain that for, yeah. for anybody. But um, I would think that it would require uh, formidable leadership qualities to be able to organize this yeah, larger group of people and have them work cohesively. Tell me about that. Yes, I mean that was you, you know you, we had a, we had like four or five walk-ins. You know they were la much larger than that wall, and obviously you had all the, the the parties that we are supposed to do. So everything was laid out there. Everything was color coded. Every, everyone knew that you know what's green is mine and everything was broken down because you have to help people to find uh, help them succeed because at the end of the day you know it has to come together yes so it took uh, it took a lot of organization you, you, you everything was broken down to a to, to a science um, but you also had uh, you had the, the the power of the, the having so many yes i remember the, the very biggest challenge that we've had was a day in August, and we had nine parties. And for me, it was, just, it was a black hole. And then through the whole month of July, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna get there. I could not, uh, it was just, you know, a nightmare ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And as we, get, we got to that uh, day, so obviously we've, we've done like two, three, four parties, like, you know, all of that, but that was the biggest one. And when we went to, uh, there was few sous chefs, if you see, one was a lady, was actually in charge of, uh, with other people, of getting all the order ready. And then there's different locations, so it's not like you have, so you have to actually go with your food, your cart, and, and then expedite from. And uh, that, that there was one, that was one of the simplest one, there was just an order, so it wasn't a full dinner. And when we get to, it was getting like the five minutes, 10 minutes of the party time. I said, okay, Lida, where are you? And then, she, she didn't get to it. She could not even cry for help like along the way. Like she had so many things to do that it was just like, you know, tea time minus 10 and then it's nothing was done. So I was like, all right. So in that case, everyone, there's still a lot of people prepping for a different thing. So everybody stopped. And like within 15 minutes, we got it started. Obviously not all of it, but some of it, so the guys didn't see. You, know, you, you, you send something and you, ca you play catch up. So well, so thank God we had enough manpower to, to take a step back and say, all right, but stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that, and then, and we, we got it out. So the, the guests didn't even see. No. So that was my biggest thing. And before you knew it, a year after, we were doing 27 parties around Christmas, and we didn't forget anything. But that was a big, uh, the big uh, August day. That uh, so those are um, memories that stayed. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. The adrenaline has to be through the roof at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so clearly you've achieved a lot, both as a professional chef, but also as a leader, to galvanize 
everybody and to make sure that you both provide a strategy but you also step in when things go awry well, we, you know, there's only you, way you, the buck stops with you if you're in charge yeah. I mean it's just you, you have to you really that's what I explain you know the, the, the cook or not just the cook the, 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 the people when, when you're in the restaurant business or at least my approach is if, if you're selected to lead a, um, to lead a department front or back it's a mission you have you accepted the mission hmm. and there is no uh, they, it, it's on you mm -hmm. so either you quit and then you'll be known for that or you'll do whatever it takes to get there and obviously you know you try to be smarter you know as you get more experience you know or see the problem coming so you don't uh, you know it doesn't have to be a labor of love all the time but very often it has um, it has it you know the learning curve is is, uh, is hard like I, when I was at Tentation way before Windows I remember that we had uh, and I was you know being the chef was meaning like you work your hand on it's not like you sit in an office mm -hmm. so you, you're part of the, the, of the, the, the production mm -hmm. at least in the smaller company uh, Windows was more organization but and the product so I would I remember that one day like leaving on Tuesday going to work with a party on on, uh, on, uh, on Wednesday so what did that come here so I had to we did the party outside I came back to the shop I had to work all night to be ready for Wednesday because we the, there was just like event back to back and I didn't have 90 cooks or 40, 40 cooks then so I stayed the whole night on Tuesday to be ready for the Wednesday the Wednesday party was at night so you went out by the time I came back home it was Thursday morning because it was Thursday in, in the early morning yeah. but that's what, that's what it took because I, I was short staff but you know I delivered and then now that was you know in in, in, the, in 1992 well 93 maybe um, so I try not to do that too often because it was not fun but that's what it, it takes sometimes especially when you take you do you do a, an, an opening and you take on a new job yeah so that's why you know when people after nine hours they say can I go I said all right do you, are you sure you have what it takes to be in that field yeah but uh, it's a long run. When you have holidays, you know, like we, we, we are planning Thanksgiving so many people, like you have, it takes a lot of planning, a lot of hard work ahead of time, but uh, that's the field that we are in. Where do you draw your strengths? I mean, when things really go south, what sustains you? Uh, just, I think it's... Um, the values that you have, like you have to, you just you have to give it your very best to uh, to deliver. I mean, that's there's no other option. You just do your best. No, there's no other option. Failure is not an option. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, if you don't want it, that, I mean, if you you, you, you know, you don't. No, you don't want to be that. You don't want that to be an option. No. Yeah. So it's not always on you, but you know, very often, you know, you have to work hard. And as I said, like if you, and a lot of it has to be with. Uh, easier said now after 20 years or plus but a lot of it can be avoided if you do your the right homework meaning if you really organize yourself mm -hmm. when you are young you know you, t you tend to think you're invincible or you have more energy and then so you can you know fight your way through that but um, but you know a little bit of, a little bit more experience avoid a lot of uh, mm -hmm. a lot of time spent at work yeah 
Yeah, it sounds very strategic. You referenced earlier almost military-like planning. I mean, yes, we're, we're <laughs> planning now for three weeks. Like the, you know, sorry, and especially, especially now we are, you know, we are dealing with, um, like I said, fresh turkey all for Thanksgiving. So mm -hmm. that's part of what we are doing now. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not for the turkey or, or farmers. So the the guy that we're gonna get them from, he is like three weeks notice. Yeah. So I need to know exactly what we, it's not a matter of like ordering a gazillion turkey, you know, what we've done, what we expect to do, and, uh, and breaking it down. And that's just the buying side of it. Then after you have to process it, make the nice dish, and, mm -hmm. and all that. So you, and you can't wait um, two more weeks if not you're behind the wall. Mm -hmm. so, so that's, that's, that's kind of you know, an, a holiday example. But on a weekly basis, it, it remains the same. Like you have to plan ahead, you know, what you want to do with a special. And then that's very often what uh, I find the younger chef to, to not do enough. It's just like coming to the day of work and said, okay, what are we going to do? It's too late. You have to have planned it. You have to have things coming your way. Um, so you get, you have, a, you know, you have a game plan. The conclusion of this interview can be found in the next podcast, already available for your download. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Pal Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson.